through this traumatic time and in turn create a collective healing experience. Volpeva Steel is at 1737 Locust Street, CMO. Friends of Chamber Music present Extraordinary Imaginations with the Chamber Music Society of Lincoln Center on Saturday, January 20th at 7.30 p.m. at the Folly Theater. The artists of the Society will share a fun and bold program exploring the transformational time in the early 20th century, an era of tireless innovation and limitless imagination. The Folly Theater is at 300 West 12th Street, KCMO. For more information on these and many other events in our area, go to kkfi.org slash arts kc go this is paul cannon a volunteer and you're listening to 90.1 fm kkfi kansas city community radio All aboard! support for kkfi comes from the johnson county museum featuring special exhibit trains transportation and the transformation of johnson county now through january 13th this exhibit showcases the impact of railroads on the county's landscape people and economy through interactive displays artifacts and visuals visitors are transported back in time to witness the changes that rail transportation brought to johnson county for more information, visit jocomuseum.org. The views and opinions of this program are those of its host and guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of 90.1 FM, KKFI, Midcoast Radio Project, or its staff and volunteers. about it is appealing everything the traffic will allow no way could you get that happy feeling when you are stealing that extra bow there's no people like show people they smile when they are long yesterday they told you you would not go far that night you open and there you are next day on your dressing room the makeup, the props, the audience that lifts you when you're down, the headaches, the heartaches, the backaches, the flops, the sheriff who escorts you out of town, the opening when your heart beats like a drum, the closing when the customers don't come. Before the show has started That your favorite uncle died at dawn On top of that, your partner I have parted You're broken-hearted, but you go on There's no people like show people They smile when they are low Even with a turkey that you know will fold You may be stranded out in the cold Still, you wouldn't change it
Well, hello and happy new year to all of you out there. Yes, it is a new year. It is 2024. Welcome to this Monday edition of the KKFI Arts Magazine show. I am Michael Hogue, your host. Glad to have you with us on this uh, first Monday of the new year as you listen to the Arts Magazine show right here on KKFI 90.1 FM, your community radio station right here in Kansas City. It's, uh, it's great to have you with us on this day. If, uh, if you need an aspirin, wherever you are, <laughs> go right ahead. It's not going to change anything I do whatsoever. We, uh, we have some interesting things to talk to you about today. You'll remember a couple of weeks ago, uh, I talked to the man from the Arts Asylum about uh, uh, cabaret. And we talked a lot about... Well, mentioned the songs, of course, everyone's familiar with, but we talked a lot about the uh, uh, the problems that goes that went along with it, you know, anti-Semitism and all that, and that really plays a part in what uh, we're going to talk to today. Uh, many guests. Karen brought a lot of people with her. She, she probably figured that uh, on uh, after uh, New Year's Eve, she needed a lot of help, but she's shaking her head yes. <laughs> and we're going to talk about the show that's uh, going to open on January the 11th at the Metropolitan Ensemble Theater at the Warwick, and it is called Judgment at Nuremberg. And uh, if you're going to talk about anti-Semitism, that's uh, a wonderful play to do it. Well, and hello, everybody. Um, I think it's a wonderful play to talk about that topic, but the play has so many layers of re- relevance. Relevance, you can tell it's the morning after, right? <laughs> um, it just seems to echo in real time. Every time we have a rehearsal, there's more stuff that just kind of goes, "Well, that that counts, and this counts, and this counts." Um, the play's been on my list of things to do for about four or five years. And so every time I'd be making the season, it'd be on the list, and then something would happen, it would get bumped. And as we were approaching this year, and we make the season um, like this time last year, so so many of the things that are happening right now in this moment, of course, were not at that point. So what I was looking at at the time was, of course, issues like anti-Semitism, because, yeah, we are absolutely seeing rises in hate crimes and all that kind of stuff specifically related to that topic. But a lot of what this play is about is the court system. So the play itself isn't set whenever he thinks it is. You think that, oh, this is going to be a play about, you know, Hess and Mengele and all those guys. This is not the play about that. This is a play that takes place in 1947 when the Nuremberg trials are two years in and they've moved down the food chain into the judges that perverted the Constitution of Germany, which is what allowed the Nazis to come to power. If when, in 1933, 1934, um, those judges had shut it down and said, no, this is unconstitutional, you cannot do these things, um, it's quite likely that it wouldn't have gone down the way it did. You know, Hitler may never have risen to the power that he had, um, but they didn't. And it didn't happen overnight. Um, most crises don't. You know, it happened by little bits and baby steps and just taking you know, this brick out of the wall of that foundation. And then let's remove this one and let's remove this one until eventually that wall of justice collapses. And to me, that seemed to be particularly a topic that is really apropos at any time 
but I think is really wildly important right now. Mm -hmm. And so that goes beyond a group of, of singular people, though it's impossible to do this play and not recognize the importance of its topic and what it is dealing with specifically. Mm. But now, 80 plus, well, I guess it's about 80 years later, 77 years mm -hmm. later. Yeah, it's been a while, but some of the issues don't change. They haven't changed. Yeah. Sometimes we change the group. Yeah, I've been, I haven't been to the one here. I went, uh, well, I have been to the one here. I have not been to the Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C., but I have been to the Holocaust Museum in Jerusalem. And oh, wow. that is quite a grim presentation. I imagine. It doesn't cover the specific issues involved in this, but you see a lot of the aftermath, right. and it's very moving. It's a, there are many exhibits. It's almost impossible unless you move yourself along to see all through there. It's well, and I think that's part of what this play does. It maybe plays in general. Plays allow us to have conversations about things that we don't even have words for that we can't wrap our heads around. And so by writing the play, the playwright puts things into the voice and allows us to have access to topics that we otherwise couldn't even begin to approach because our minds and our hearts, the very imagination, can't even fathom it. Mm -hmm. And so the play, every play, and the way it's written, that's what the playwright's doing. They're giving us access, a point of entry so that we can go visit places and have thoughts that otherwise our brains probably wouldn't be able to do. And that's what metaphor does. And so the, this play, and I love the way we're presenting it. For those of you who have been to the work before, um, at least our stuff, you probably know that you know, when you come, we may change where the stage is, so your point of view changes. And I'm really excited about the way this play is coming together visually. So your experience of it, We've always been immersive. I mean, we were immersive when anybody came with a name um, or that word because that's just how we do it. Um, but I think you'll find that's particularly true in this experience of this play because we're, we're using our channel stage formation but in a style that we've not done it before. So it feels particularly um, open, accessible. Um, you really do feel like I am really right here. I know one actor told me yesterday because he was he was on the stand, and I <laughs> thought, well, I'm gonna sit over there oh, where sure. that audience yeah. is, so I could see what it looks like, because that's my job. Um, and he said, you were sitting so close to me, I got really really nervous. Oh, and <laughs> and it's true. I mean, as I was looking at, him, I thought, yeah, I'm, I'm actually like six feet away from this guy, and that's the experience the audience has there. And I think it's impossible to look at a play that way and not have a really visceral experience with it. But I also love that the quality of the acting, and let me brag on our people for a while, um, just a minute. Um, I think the quality of the performances in this play are standout, and I'm really proud to say that I feel that way about every performance that is on our stage. I'm really proud of our artists here in Kansas City, and we're really blessed to have them. But it's really exciting to be seeing a play and performances coming to life with such veracity, truthfulness, courage, generosity that actors are putting on stage and you pour yourself into it. And when you are in a channel stage performance or arena or thrust, anything that brings you really in contact with the audience, 
it's a whole different experience as an artist because you're performing in 360 degrees. It's all front. Mm, mm, yeah. And it feels so incredible. I, I love doing it. And I love watching it. So I hope the audience will have that In the past, too. some directors for courtroom, not just this one, but courtroom dramas, some directors have said, oh, I want the audience to feel like they're the jury. I so that's a little to the side, usually. Uh, I think there's that experience, but I think this goes beyond that. I don't want you to just feel like the jury. I want you to feel like you're all those people. Mm -hmm. That you can feel the point of view of every single person who's there and understand them. Um, even when you see evil, evil's hard to comprehend. And when you understand how evil can seep into something and you didn't see it coming, that's kind of important. Especially in a show like this, I'm sure a lot of people who were jury members mm -hmm. or, or it was a was it a jury trial it's a tribunal oh tribunal actually, oh oh okay yeah. that's different so, like yeah. um john plays dan haywood who's the american judge of spencer tracy in the film um and so there's three judges judge norris um and what's the judge, judge ives and right. judge haywood so let me give them a minute to to talk to i guess um but it's a different kind of trial than what we think mm -hmm. of. So that's been part of our adventure as we tried to figure out what's the legal way to do this mm. because we all have our legal training through law and order. Mm -hmm. so they had to follow the German way of doing it, which presents a problem because, uh, as you said, they perverted the justice system. Mm. Well, not, not quite so because these were international trials. And so part of what was being created was the concept of international law, right? which hadn't really existed here before. Right. So part of what happened in World War II was the creation of a concept that there are laws of what is right mm. that are international and span and transcend geography, mm. culture, nationality. Mm. So when we're seeing things and the thinking in terms of um, crimes against humanity in the Ukraine, or anywhere else, mm -hmm. yeah. they absolutely are occurring, and you hold them up to this standard. Mm -hmm. And so that's the standard we're measuring against real time now. Right. But it wasn't a German trial. It, this whole Nuremberg trial was cooked up you know, by the, the vic victors. By the victors, yeah. Sure. You know, the Americans, the British, um, everybody who was involved with the Australians, all of us. You know, the French. Um, I think the French were kind of not feeling real great about it at the time. Probably not. <laughs> they went through a lot, though. I, I have to yeah, say that. They didn't help as much at the time. But, you know, when it's hard to judge anybody when it you is. weren't living there and right. getting through it. And that's been one of the conversations we've had a lot, that we like to think, well, if it were me, I'd be a hero. <laughs> you know, well, right. Yeah, maybe. Right. You know, it um, often depends on the situation you're put in. Right. Sometimes... You might want to be the hero, but sometimes because of the situation you're in, you really can't. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, it's all essentially the are all the heroes are dead. Essentially, one of the last lines that my character, uh, Dan Haywood, who is the American judge, who is kind of the guy that you you ideally you're kind of watching as Americans, you're kind of watching the show through because he's all he's trying to do is figure out what happened, how did this happen. How could this happen? That's just quite, 
all the time. I have like three or four things like I don't know what to believe, etc. One of the last one of the last things he says to uh, not the villain, but the but the big uh, Nazi who is not Nazi, sorry, the big German jurist who is sentenced to life imprisonment. Um, he he simply says to him, "No person." I'm paraphrasing a little bit. I don't know my lines yet. Oh. Um, no, 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 no. I understand the pressures that you faced. Sure. And no man could could honestly say how he would have reacted to those pressures unless he was actually tested. So there, there is, to your point, there's always a sense of like, mm-hmm. how would I have, would I have been a hero? Would I have, you know, stood up to this? Um and and I think that's a great honest, I think the the playwright does a great job, where it's not black and white. It's not, you know, a very simple, you know, uh, Germany bad, United States good. It's, it's much 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 more nuanced than that. It's much more it's much more human. Than as that. I was yeah. as I was growing up, a German couple lived next to us in our neighborhood okay. in Independence, Missouri. Wow. And he was a regular soldier in the German army. And yeah. people questioned him about that all the time. Of course. And of, of course, course he was so low on the food chain, uh, really didn't know much of anything. At right. least that's what he told us when we were kids. Well, but he was a big fan of all the World War II movie. movies we're on. And, and he would say, well, from what I heard, that that was like that and that was like that. But it was an interesting experience because yeah. there was a picture in their dining room of him in his uh, in uniform. His uniform, yeah. 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 So you never know when you're going to come across something like that. Right, right. And I, and I, I also think, I mean, you guys can weigh in, but but for me, the question always is, um, you must have known, you know, ab- about about Probably, the, about the Holocaust, yeah. about yeah. the concentration camps. How could you not have known? And there are these wonderful, beautiful characters, um, uh, German characters, who are insisting we did not know, we couldn't have. How, and 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 as again, as the American coming in, you're like, you had to have known, and it, and just admit that you knew. But if we did know. What could we do? Well, Park Park is our our uh, our um, resident uh, genius. He, he he and and he you know his his he he, he brings a lot of research. Uh-huh. He, his his day job is you know a genius, a, a, an academic, <laughs> and, it, and then he at night he's a great actor. But um but we were talking the other time, and, and there were the three eyes that I thought were really interesting, which is the German people come to it, which is first of all you you plead ignorance. We didn't know. Now the second one, which is a little trickier, is indifference. Sure. Yeah. I knew, but I didn't really care. But the last one is impotence. I did know, but what could I do? There's ignorance, indifference. Difference. What is the third thing the coach always said? Yeah. Yeah, impotence. impotence. It's like, yes, we did know. Uh-huh. Okay, you you got me. You busted me. I did know, but there was nothing I could do. And all yeah. three let you off the hook. Yeah. The get, get closer to a microphone there. All three ideas let you off the hook as you rationalize. Yeah, closer. closer. I can ration- hear you, but not as well as I want to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get cl- you even know, pull it to be, you if you need the, to. Uh, you know, German civilians, which I, one thing the play examines, how could this happen? And it happens because of the German civilians, that they allowed the German people, they say in the play, German people are on trial. Yes, they are. And they are guilty. They allowed this to happen. And they hang these like indifference and impotence. What could I do? That's a rationalization to let yourself off the hook. Right. Yeah. I wonder, though, I'm, I, 
and so I feel a little guilty about saying something in their defense, but they didn't have social media. That Communications right. were was right. very controlled. Right. Maybe they didn't but know. But they saw their neighbors taken away at night. Yeah. 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 They, in their neighborhoods. They saw that. And that's in the play. And that's, I was going to say, that's in the play. And mm-hmm. I, for me, again, it's fascinating where it's, it's, it, it's in the play like, uh, you, honestly, you didn't know? Or again, to the three eyes, did you know and not care? Mm-hmm. Sure. Or did you know and, and make the rationalization to yourself, look, there's nothing we can do about it, you know, so we're going to step away. And again, this, this is where I think, to Karen's point too, I, I think um, what's great about the play is it, it really resonates for me in contemporary American, our, our lives here, where so many of us are like, yeah, this is all going on, but what can I do about it? The, wor- the world's too big, the world's too crazy. And so we step back. Either we claim we don't know what's going on, or we claim, or horribly, we say, I don't care that this country is going off the tracks. Or we say, and I, I'm guilty of it, we say, yes, but what can I do about that? I'm, I'm impotent. The world's just too crazy. It's going on. And I really think, I, I mean, I, I don't want to like jump on a, a soapbox, but I will. I, I do think this play... I'm going back to Karen's original point, which is this play is a lot about the the judicial system. It's, it's judgment at Nuremberg, and there are judges, and the defendants in this case are judges, German judges. And what 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 the the play is kind of saying is like if the judiciary gives up its uh, authority or, or or allows you know these things to happen. Man, things are gonna go south. Real, the rails. real fast. Go yeah. ahead. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, we need to cover something. We'll get back to this. Don't worry. All, all of you keep your thoughts to there yourself. There are a couple but. people in our circle here that um, we haven't had a chance to hear from yet. Sure. Uh, Victoria Ricci and Alan Tilson. Um, Victoria um, is playing Maria Volner, who, for folks who know the film, that's the Judy Garland role. Um, Alan plays Judge Vick, who is the mentor of one of the defendants who was the equivalent of like a Supreme Court justice who then retired. And so he testifies too. I think one of the things I find really interesting about the structure of the play is that we don't actually meet any people who were victims in concentration camps or any of those characters. They are not in the play. The people who are in the play that we meet, um, Rudolph Peterson, that was the Montgomery Clift role that will be played by Tony Beasley, um, his character, um, Tony's given an extraordinary performance. I mean, I think, I think it's worth the price of a ticket to come see any of these people. Um, but it's really just exceptional work. Um, and you know, Alan's character brings a lot of the veracity um, about the situation, the way he saw it. Um, but it's also a very nuanced character. But I, I, I saw what was coming in 35 and took my RV and went home. I'd like to recommend that to another judicial member. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Victoria, playing Maria, I think really has an extraordinary part because the character was only 15 years old when she gets accused of something. 
And that's been one of the things we talked about is that the most courageous people in the play are actually the people who were teenagers. And it's, that's kind of, as a former educator, has always been one of the things I couldn't help but notice mm-hmm. in my classroom, that some of the bravest people I knew, the clearest thinkers. Their future is all in front of them, they, and they're not sure what they should be doing <laughs> in the present that would affect what might happen to them mm-hmm. on down but the line. But they see pretty clearly sometimes, especially if we teach ethics and if we teach thinking, not just rote memorization and things like that, but teach people to actually think and reason and move with agency through your own mind. Um, but anyway, I would turn the, the mic over to Victoria so you can hear from her personally. Okay. Because I think she do you want, really Before you do that, do you want to say anything about the future, your future schedule coming up? Oh, after, after this, we do, and Joe Turner's come and gone. So it's yeah. going to go from one incredible play <laughs> to another incredible play. Um, and then looking at a slot for a musical right after that. So we'll be announcing that soon. Um, but, you know, it's a musical, two com- musicals competing for that slot. And then there's this awesome play. Just hanging out there. <laughs> and so it's sort of like having these th- three amazing players in a game, everybody vying for that that ticket. Um, but I think we win either way. Sure. I think we're really lucky. We spent yesterday, I mean, no kidding, yesterday. Um, there was a grant deadline for yesterday. And so a good part of yesterday was spent working on that and um, had to submit a season for next year to this. Here's a proposed season. Um, and it was really exciting to be you know, thinking about that. Um, this is our 20th season coming up next year. This is the 19th right now. And it's amazing to me that it's, you and I have been in this conversation for 19 years. Yeah. How incredible. It um, has, uh, time has gone quickly. More, yeah. more so for you than me. But, but it's, it's really amazing. And when you look at how Kansas City is growing and changing, evolving the potential we have um, and also seeing for us I guess this company is a little bitty company that started with a thousand dollars to its name and a dining room and <laughs> that's what we had and then we find things and we've been so lucky and and hardworking but really blessed to be here in Kansas City with this community and I just feel so grateful and I want to tell people on this first day of the year um, the Warwick Theater exists for you. That's what it's for. And so as we are you know, working on it and bringing theater to this part of our community, we hope it'll actually kind of slide out of that building and be for everybody. And then eventually I hope you'll see the marquee go up and then it'll be like a lighthouse in the middle of the country. Sure. Right and she's in the, uh, in, in the Warwick, yeah. well, the former Warwick Theater, which is just down the street from where we are right now. Yeah. They've become a neighbor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, what is the best website? There's several websites. So, But right. which one is the best one? Go to metkc.org because no matter what you're looking for at the Warwick, even if it's somebody else's show, we'll probably have it there. Um, but all of our stuff is at metkc.org. The history of our company is now 19 years old. The Warwick goes back to 1912. Um, but it doesn't have a long track record as a theater company. But it is growing into a really wonderful venue. And it's we are really proud and excited about it and hope you'll come and take that journey with us and watch it evolve. And you've been doing um, a lot of work on it, of yeah, course. Speaking of that, I'm going to slip out because 
we're going to go light the play now. Okay. And, um, walk across the yard um, <laughs> to the back door of the Warwick and go in there and, and start working on lights and stuff. And then turn it over to these guys. And hopefully they'll tell you all the stuff that agrees with me. And if they okay. don't, you write me and tell me about it. All right. Okay. The hardest working woman in show business. <laughs> Karen Paisley. She is the director of the show. She's also the uh, artistic director of the Metropolitan Ensemble Theater. So uh, uh, we'll, let her, we'll reluctantly let her go. But she has um, important things to do. I know. And we'll talk about, uh, and we'll talk to the uh, rest of the group here. Boy, uh, I'd love to know about the casting prog progress. But you were all there. Uh, did, for instance, in Alan's case, uh, is this the role you especially wanted to do? <laughs> I give Karen Blank check. A blank check. I have okay. worked with her so long and love her so much. This is my fifty-seventh show with Metropolitan Ensemble Theater. I don't care anymore. I, whatever she say, I do. <laughs> well, that's very cooperative. <laughs> not, not like I don't have to audition. Well, that's true. Well, that's what well, she knew. Probably she probably had a gut instinct on. She how. knows how bad I am and how much I need her help. <laughs> <laughs> she probably knew how you would do it to a degree. Exactly. I'm kind of an old-fashioned character actor. Uh, it's my 53rd anniversary performing on Kansas City professional stages. Wow. And I'm old-fashioned. I'm old school. But I try to keep up with, with uh, here and there. In fact, I got my old ballet uh, uh, posture solved by taking an Alexander class at the Guthrie, finally. Yeah. So I'm more relaxed on stage than I've ever been. So you can teach an old dog new tricks. Yeah, yeah. you've been in Minnesota. I'll, I'll ask you about that later in more detail. But, uh, but you come back a lot. Because I love Kansas City. It's my home. That's right. And this is my creative home. And uh, I love it here, and I feel loved here. Good. Glad to hear that. We're gonna, we need to take our uh, mid-show break now. When we return, we're going to talk with the rest of these lovely people here. We're going to talk about their roles, how their roles fit into the show. Uh, any thoughts they had on these people? They're playing, for the most part, real people. Real people that actually existed. So we, uh, we want to hear all of that, and we will do all of that when we return. You're listening to the Arts Magazine radio program right here on KKFI. 90.1 FM. Freeze frame! Hi, I'm Russ Simmons with Freeze Frame, KKFI's weekly look at the newest cinematic fair in theaters and streaming. The second cinematic adaptation of Alice Walker's classic novel, The Color Purple, is an admirable reworking of the Broadway musical version. Fantasia Barino is terrific in the title role of the long-suffering Seeley, but hers is just one strong performance in a riveting ensemble that includes Taraji P. Henson, Coleman Domingo, and Danielle Brooks. It's a tuneful and moving film that suffers only from curiously poor lighting in crucial scenes. The Color Purple is a soulful salute to feminist empowerment. Director George Clooney's adaptation of the best-selling nonfiction novel, The Boys in the Boat, tells the notable true story of the rowing team from the Washington Huskies that overcame considerable obstacles to compete in the 1936 Olympics in Nazi Germany. The Boys in the Boat is well-meaning, beautifully produced, and competently directed, but the end result is a standard inspirational sports drama. Automaker and racing mogul Enzo Ferrari gets the biopic treatment in Michael Mann's soapy sports drama, Ferrari. Adam Driver plays the brash entrepreneur 
Penelope Cruz is his put-upon wife, and Shailene Woodley is his longtime mistress. While the racing sequences are stunning and the acting is solid, the drama in Ferrari is curiously inert. The harrowing Netflix drama Society of the Snow tells the same true survival story that was depicted in the 1993 Ethan Hawke drama Alive. This Spanish-language entry is about the Uruguayan rugby team whose plane crashed in the remote Andes in 1972. Society of the Snow is a chilling portrayal of personal fortitude in the face of extraordinary odds. Well, that's it for this edition of Freeze Frame. Until next time, I'm Russ Simmons with Fox 4 and KKFI-FM. KKFI is moving into the future with a new programming schedule starting in early 2024. We'll be adding new shows with new people, new voices, new stories, topics, and new music. So stay tuned for more information on the new programming schedule coming out soon. Thank you, Chad. Yeah, shows will be changing. Uh, my first Tuesday program will be January the 23rd, and it'll be 9 in the morning. I hope you can join us then as you've joined us for years now <laughs> at noon on Monday. It'll be a little bit of a change. Actually, uh, uh, perhaps a little more convenient for me personally. <laughs> but, you know, in this business, you do what you have to do. And that goes for a lot of the actors we're talking with as well. We're speaking about the Metropolitan Ensemble Theater at the Warwick, where they are presenting Judgment at Nuremberg. It kicks off on Thursday, the 11th of January at 7.30. Performances continue that first weekend. A Friday evening performance at 7.30 on the 12th. Two performances on Saturday an afternoon matinee, 1.30, and uh, an evening performance at 7.30, a matinee on Sunday the 14th, uh, on Thursday the 18th then, 7.30, Friday the 19th, 7.30, two performances on the next Saturday then, the 20th, 1.30, a matinee, 7.30 in the evening, and closes out with a matinee on Sunday the 21st at 2.30 p.m., all at the Metropolitan Ensemble Theater at the Warwick. The Warwick Theater is located at 3927 Main, the number to call uh, to make arrangements, which you can also do online, I believe. But you can also call 816-569-3226. And with us are the, some of the members of the cast, and we're going to talk to them about their characters, how their characters fit into the show, uh, have they researched their characters? And I assume they, I, I always did. I assume they always did too. You feel the most comfortable the more you know about this person. And we're going to uh, talk uh, to the, some of the performers now. Victoria Ricci plays the role of Maria Wallner. Am I pronouncing, is my German up to snuff? <laughs> yeah, <that's> good. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show again. Uh, such a young character. Of course, you, you look young. Well, she was young in 1935, so at the time of the trial, she is a little older. Huh. Um, and her age, I think, does play an or have an important part because when she does come back for these trials, I think the trauma of being so young and being um, mm. exposed to the 1935 trial where she saw a loved one be wrongly condemned and executed hmm. um, really shows how vulnerable she is and yet brave. I think that my character is 
the one that the audience is going to watch and think, well, I would want to be like her. Mm. Um, I think most of our other characters are very complex individuals who didn't have a clear black and white, um, wrong or right way to live their life during this time, but mine did. And so I think it'll be um, easier for the audience to look at her and see a sympathetic, oh, well, she's the good guy. That's who mm-hmm. I would want to be like. And um, it's it's different than what you've seen. I'm also one of the only female characters. So when I come on stage, I think it, it is going to rock the audience's perspective mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, you've seen a lot of older gentlemen who have um, their own struggles, their own moral compass that is a little different, um, and their reasons for that. And then I come in as a previous victim, but somebody who is doing what she believes is right for the second time. Mm. So she's given this opportunity twice, and she has taken the same road both times. Yeah. Did did you... So there's always choices to make. You hear directors talk about mm-hmm. choices. What was the most difficult choice you had to make? Um, I think it's how I'm addressing the lawyers, actually interacting with the, the other characters. Um, I think that trauma is so individual, and um, obviously in the year of 2024, we've had a lot of opportunities to grow and learn in that psychological point of view. Um, There's lots of books on how to deal with trauma, Mm -hmm. and that information wasn't necessarily readily available at this point in time. And as a woman, I think that she probably had less of that in a very um, male-dominated society. And then on top of that, you have the the Nazis controlling everything. So I think that her voice and her feelings would have been suppressed very early on. And then the whole um, trial of 1935, what she's being accused of as a child is um, sleeping with a man who she views as her father. So automatically we have a lot of trauma going on. Mm -hmm. And so so my, my biggest focus was how would she have been able to deal with that and then come back years later and have to not only relive that, but relive that as a grown woman who's tried to put that behind her and live her life and maybe, um, or whatever life she can live without the closeness of people that she loved. I don't want to reveal too much <laughs> about the show. And, you know, we're, we're almost up to that line on that. but. She was so young. Did she even realize the ramifications at that moment? Probably not. I wouldn't think so. I would think she came at it as a, well, from a love, just to make it simple for everyone. I think her motivation was love in 1935. Mm. I don't think she had much past that is, well, would you let your loved one suffer in this way? And I think she thought about that and said no, no matter what the repercussions for her would have been. Mm. Sure. Sure. Uh, did you have any way of following up on the character? What happened to her later in life? Do do we even know? I don't, don't know. No. Yeah. That's always interesting. See what what happened to her years later. How was her life changed? What kind of person did she become? Uh, that's always interesting too. Doesn't really affect 
your part in the play so much. But, uh, you know, it makes one wonder, though, uh, about these characters, especially when you're playing a real-life person as she was, things like that. No, no, Go ahead. All the Talking to the are, mic All the characters me. are fictional. Oh, oh, oh okay. They're, fiction, they're based and, and inspired well, that's sort on of certain what, cases. That's sort of what I meant. Yeah, anyway. but, but uh, the author uh, made a conscious choice to make these fictional characters. Uh, so this is not like the, the, the trial of Goering and, and Hess. These are based on, there was a, a, a judge's trial, but these are very much fictional characters. Mm. Sure. Uh, which, now, you're, now you're John Clancy. Yes, I am. You played the role of Dan Haywood in the yes. show. Yes, I did. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on trial. It's a trial right now. Uh, no, but uh, yeah, Park, you're you were Park Buchner. Buker. But I, I would just take it, Michael. From uh, I think I think Park's making a really uh, what's interesting. But I'm I'm listening to Victoria, you know, speaking about it. The fact that they are um, <laughs> it's funny. The fact that it's fictional, and the and the and the uh, the the author made that choice actually for me opens it up to um to um, to emotion to so instead of ha I've, I've done shows where you are playing uh you know an, a, a historical person but like my character is is uh is a, is an american he's a he's a he's from north carolina he's he's kind of he he, he presents himself as a kind of a backwoods country lawyer guy here he is facing and trying, having to judge this enormously important, sure, you know, situation. But but what's great about the fact that you know Victoria's character, all of her characters, are um, are are uh, uh, fictional and allows me, and I think the I think the rest of the cast as well, is that you you can as an artist as an actor, you can go into the emotional truth and the emotional journey of this character without worrying about am I getting every historical thing right rather I'm going to feel what's I'll just say what's striking to me about this play this this rehearsal period and this journey is you hear judgment at Nuremberg and you think okay this is important and this is historical and the the, the play is such an emotional ride you know, and I, and I spend a lot of the play as the judge listening to Victoria's character, listening to the witnesses, Tony's character, Peterson, Alan's character, you know, Vickert. And you're listening to these people, and, and it's not, again, it's not right or wrong. It, they went through traumas. They, they, they lived through Nazism. They lived through, and, and some of them, you know, uh, cratered into it some of them allowed it to happen some of them fought back but it's a very very human it's a it's a it's a it's a story about human beings dealing with national crisis and how do they show up so it's it's it's, it's I, I honestly think people i think an audience will be surprised by how moving it is how 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 mm -hmm. I, I listen to the show sitting there as an actor and two or three times during the show, tears come to my eyes, just just listening to it, you know. And I, so I think I think I think I think we're delivering something that yes, it's important. You know, always when you're doing important theater, and I'm doing the little air quotes there, 
important theater is not something that I want to run out and see. <laughs> it doesn't sound like sure. a lot of fun. It closes yeah. on Tuesday. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but and it is important. But but again, more more so, it isn't. It's. I think it's a, a incredibly moving. How did it's Dan? Relevant. And this is the way my mind works. So, indulge me. How did Dan Haywood get to be put placed in this position? Well, he probably never dreamed he'd have to do such so a thing. It's so beautiful. Yeah, it's so beautiful. Are you talking about the character? You want me to talk as the character? Uh, well, just or as you the can actor? Talk, as, talk as yourself, of course. But well, how, did this, how did this man, Dan right. Haywood, yep. from, uh, from... From North Backwoods in North Carolina. That's right, from North Carolina. Where Carolina no, it's great. It's from. great. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's in, in my first scene. It's all my first scene. I show up, and one of my lines is, they say, hey, we're so... Thank you for being here. I'm being greeted all officially. And I say, listen, Colonel, I, I wasn't the first choice for this job, and I wasn't even the 10th. Yeah. And, and he's like, well, and, what, and that's what's interesting is that these trials, okay, when I, when I heard, when I got offered the job, Judgment at Nuremberg, hey, you want to be in the play? Judgment at Nuremberg? I, didn't, I remember vaguely the movie, right? And I thought they were the big trials. You know, I thought they were, this is, oh, Spear, these were the Eichmann, these, this big, no. This play, this play is like two years, three years afterwards. So what's fascinating is a lot, and there's the argument throughout the play, should we even be trying these guys? Should these guys, the judges, be on trial at all? If they committed wrongs. Well, yes. but and that's but that's the whole thing is were, are they responsible? Because if you th again, if you think about the judiciary system, that a judge, I'm arguing for the other side right now, a judge doesn't make the law. A judge follows the law. A judge administers the law. Now the question is, yes, but what if the law itself is unjust? Well, then should a judge stand up and say, I'm not going to do it? Or should the judge say, look, man, I'm just an umpire. I'm just the referee. You know, if these are the rules that, that have been set up, then, then you can say, well, the judge, yeah, the judge did say yes to this, which was terrible. But the judge can say, hey, man, I, di I didn't make the law. I'm simply administering the law. So we can go back and, and we can then say, yeah, but it was a bad law. You should have known it, so you're, you're out. I mean, the argument is very—it's a—it's a—it's a legitimate argument that you can oh, say. You, certainly, but in the earlier trials, didn't some of the defendants use the excuse that they were ordered? They to do all this? said that. It's yeah. always being a good German. I was only following orders, I was, and it's—it's it's a cliche, but we shouldn't make it a cliche. It is a legitimate. I mean, that's the whole kind of meta question of the play, because it's interesting. Again, I, I find it fascinating. The, the playwright named it Judgment at Nuremberg. Now, there's a difference between judgment and justice. So if you're, you're going to make, if you're going to judge, that just means I got to say, I got to call ball or strike. I, it's simple as that. Now, that's very different from justice. And I think my character, Haywood, um, that's, his, that's his entire argument all the way through it, which is, International law, which is Karen, I think, mentioned earlier, you got to remember in 48, is that when the play yeah. is happening? In 1948, international law was brand new. It, was, it, it hadn't been, you know, we, we know it now 
you know, from uh, Yugoslavia and from the rest of it. But back then, it was brand new virgin territory, and so there were no precedents. So you could say, well, uh, you know, I, we don't know what we're talking and, and the other character is saying, international law says you can't sentence a judge or a doctor or a businessman to, to life imprisonment for being a for being for crimes against humanity, brand new concept, crimes against humanity. You can't do it. That's not there. My guy, because he is a simple, direct, uh, you know, judge, says criminal law. Forget about international law. Criminal law says you're responsible if you if you if you signed off on a um, a murder essentially. Oh yeah, that, that's then how you're it works. guilty. Yeah. You know, you can dance all you want about it, but again, it's it's. I think it's a it's a really interesting story about, um, or or a, a a way to look at those questions, and and what I love about the play, what I love about this production, is that again, we are not. It, it's there's no white hats, no black hats. Yeah. It's really it does the play does not work that way, which is like bad guys, good guys. The play is going over and over and talking. I mean. I'd love I'd love for uh, Park to talk about it a little bit, which is um, even even the most unrepentant Nazi has a <laughs> point of view, has a I think a legitimate right. No, yeah. Uh, let's move uh, on to Park. Yeah, how, how does your character? No, I, I play uh, one of the uh, justices on trial, one of the defendants, uh, who is an unrepentant. Uh, Nazi, and one great thing about the script, as as John said, it's not just a cartoon, you know, character or evil Nazi. Uh, my character has speeches in which he explains his point of view, why the attraction of the Nazi party, because uh, uh, I think fear is the great motivator. River, yeah. and there was such great fear after the Russian Revolution of communism mm -hmm. coming in. And a lot of, you know, uh, uh, the Nazis, yes, they were anti-Semitic, but they're also hugely anti-communist. Yes. And yes. so that was, the, and my character talks over and over about we did what we did to uh, uh, preserve the nation, mm. the survival of our nation. Uh, and you can rationalize so many things, uh, so many crimes, if it's to the idea of patriotism to preserve the nation. Uh, and that's what, because I am playing probably the most evil character in the play. Uh, and, uh, well, because I was trained as an actor to find something about your character that, with which you can identify and you like. Otherwise, you're standing outside your character judging right. it. Exactly. Sure. And what I, my character, one, is not a hypocrite. He is the one. He's not apologizing for this. This is what I believed before. I believe that today. I'm the, uh, and also this great fear of this communist invasion uh, and they thought they, they were the last stand for Western civilization. By the time the trial took place, were they yeah. half occupied? Yeah, no, no. Uh, oh, one yeah. of the crises in the play is the beginning of the Cold War. In the middle of the, the trial, there's the Czechoslovakian crisis in which uh, uh, Czechoslovakia uh, falls to uh, a communist uh, coup d'etat. And that's right next door to Nuremberg. Mm -hmm. And so that's, they really believe that World War III is going to start tomorrow. Right. And it very well could have. And uh, the idea that the, uh, there's even uh, an American character says, 
uh, in the play, one of the judges said, like, I think the, the Nazis had the right idea of fighting communism. Exactly. Uh, and so it does, as you said, in a very, very gray area. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm yeah. so glad I picked this way to go about asking the questions <laughs> because I've learned a lot more no, than I otherwise would not have learned. No, it's, and, it's, and, and yet uh, I'm just echoing what Park is saying. What's fascinating is we think of the Cold War. I'm, I'm 60 years old. I was born in 1963. And most of us grew up with the Cold War and the Soviet Union. Just being a fact, this is when it began. This is when, it's really interesting that this is when these, these uh, you know, the, these huge, huge forces, you know, started. And it, again, it's a very personal, very, uh, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're running short now. I, but I need to get to Alan Tilson, who plays the role of Carl Veet. How does he factor into this? You know, uh, talking about identification, my uh, brother-in-law, God rest his soul, was a federal judge. And I'm kind of been using him when the Republican moderates, as he was appointed by Dole in 76 or so over in Kansas, when the more conservative uh, Brownback and all those people came in, I'm kind of, his reaction to all that, you know, kind of uh, superiority, but yet what did that generation do to prevent that? I'm kind of on using that as my... Sure. Uh, subjective uh, interior monologue. Yes. <laughs> so you had choices to make for your yes, character. Or yes. did the lines tell you what you know, you really for me it's go? the words. It's the yeah. sound of the words. I'm Shakespearean. I still do this with my Shakespeare. It's, I have to get those words and, and walk with them, get them coming out of the body. It's mm -hmm. actually the sound of the words that tells me where's the emotion, how does he feel, you know, who, 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 uh, where's the rhythm in this? And I'm kind of that kind of guy. Uh, I work with the words, tell me. Sure. Sure, well, this has just been fascinating. Uh, the conclusions that all of you come to in your own mind, and we all do, uh, were you all put to death? I, 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 don't, I don't recall the movie I recall the movie, but not yeah. exactly what happened. No, I was no, a witness, so I'm still living. Yeah, he's no, cool. Don't give away the ending. I'm not going <laughs> to give away the ending. But, oh, okay. But, but, well, then but, don't. But, but yeah. it's a good point. I mean, that, yeah. that, is, that is the question, which is... I'm just curious as to whether what you said again, was, was bought by the judiciary. Well, it's again, it's wonderful. It's, it, I think I, I really, you got to give a lot to, uh, to the playwright, um, Abby Mann, wonderful, wonderful writer. And what's wonderful about it is... I feel that century <laughs> judgment at Nuremberg, he doesn't judge. He, 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 he presents. He's like, here's this, here's that. And yes, things happen in the play and there is a final judgment. Mm -hmm. I, my character has to sentence these, these three defendants, um, and I do. And, uh, and, but then there's this lovely little smart little coda where the, the defense counsel who is who makes I think the best arguments? Now he's a German defending certainly, he, he's, yeah. and he, he's he's and he's Michael uh, Dragon. Dragon. Michael Dragon. Come see the play to watch Michael oh. Dragon work. It's mm. just beautiful what he's doing. But at the very end, after the sentences have been, you know, uh, whatever, uh, you know, I I, I pronounce them. He and I have this lovely little scene where he basically predicts the future. 
he basically says, you know, this, this, and, 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 I, and I have to say, my character has to say, you're probably right. You're probably right that this, this will, and, and I mean, it's, again, it's the playwright saying, uh, we, you and I, individually, we can all make our judgments. And we feel like we're right, and we feel like it's final. And then a year or a month goes by, and everything is turned. New things happen, and, and we can all feel very righteous. I think it's the, I think it's a play so, sort of about righteousness, and 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 all, and and sometimes how hollow that can be, how 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 passing your righteousness can be because mm-hmm. new yeah. things. Because my evil character believes that he's acting righteously. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and and, and I mean, the most <laughs> isn't that interesting? Yeah, yeah. You know, he, and and how he's, can he's you, doing the, the, what is best for his nation? What's best for his country? Yeah. And how can you judge that? You know, and I think that I love you said that part because again, the danger of righteousness. The danger of righteousness, <laughs> and I think the relevance, the relevance of this old play in 2024 in America. I think people will be a little bit uh, surprised in a good way of how relevant it is about the right, the, the protection of the country, survival of the country, how important this is, and at what cost. As, as your character Certainly. says, but survival survive, as well. Survival, one of the last things I yeah. do say exactly yeah. that. You, you fight for the protection of the country, survival, and he is this great thing. My character, survival as what? Sure. What, you know, what, what have you given up? Well, unfortunately, our time has gotten away from us. This has been so uh, informative, and it makes people think of uh, all sides of the issue. As, as difficult as that might have been, even two years into the Nuremberg trials, I want to thank all of my guests. Karen Paisley, the director and the artistic director of the uh, Metropolitan Ensemble Theater. Alan Tilson. Thank you, Michael. Good to see you. <laughs> Good New Year. Good to see you back in town. Uh, Park Buker, who plays the role of Emil Hahn. John Clancy, who plays the role of Judge Dan Haywood. And Victoria Ricci. Are you hiding? She's gone. Oh, she went out. <laughs> who plays the Rhea of Maria Volner in the Metropolitan Ensemble Theater at the Warwick production of Judgment at Nuremberg opens on... Uh, uh, Friday or Thursday, uh, the the 11th of January continues essentially for uh, a couple of weekends in there. Remember, on Saturdays there are both matinees and evening performances. So, but I, I would get on now. that uh, if I were you and you were interested in that sort of thing. Metkc.org and uh, the number to phone number to call eight one six five six nine three two two six. The Warwick Theater is at 3927 Main, just right up the street from our station where we are right now. You're, you're so close, yet so far. <laughs> <laughs> Many years ago, <laughs> it's a whole new world, and it must seem like that to you does, as yeah. you're doing this. So thanks so much for being hey, man. with us. Happy New Year. Happy, Happy New, new year, year to uh, you, so you as well. The Jazz Canadian is next. I'll bet he has some January 1st uh, great jazz to play for you. Uh, jazz from 1 to 3, the blues from 3 to 6 right here on your community radio station, 90.1 FM KKFI, Kansas City's community radio. So until next we meet, ladies and gentlemen, at that cross in the road, I'm Michael Hogue. We'll see you next time.